Hello and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. I apologize, I am in the usually quite soundproof podcast studio slash Bobby's gym, but today you might hear some wind because it is April 12th, Wednesday, possibly the windiest day in the UK that I can remember. It really feels like we're on that Scottish, I think it's an island, it's like a valley or it's part of Scotland called Stornoway, and I remember learning about it on QI when Stephen Fry, like, I don't know, quite, he sort of felt, I felt patronized. He was telling me about it. He was telling all of us about Stornoway and these guys who were building something, they're working there, I don't know, something about how the birds couldn't even land there. I forget. I mean, he was right to be condescending because I wasn't paying attention, I guess. And that's what he said to me. He asked a question about it and he asked me directly and I panicked because he's so clever and it was my first ever time on. And I said, I don't know. And he said, you weren't listening. And I was like, <laughs> I guess I, I was listening. But after that day, I said I would never forget about Stornoway. And that's what it feels like here in London. I feel like I could get hit by a tree at any time. So I hope everyone's all right. I'm sure that there are trees falling and stuff, and certainly bins flying down the road. I love a good British bin chase. When the wind really starts going, people's bins get knocked over. Did you fucking hear that? I literally am getting hit with sticks. Ah! Christ. One bin will fall over and someone will take a photo of it on their street and be like, look at the damage. Or bins will like chase each other down a windy wet road. I really love that too. I love living here. I love the UK. Uh, Except I ran into some trouble in the UK this week actually because I expect all of you to have a rich sense of humor about things. No. On Good Friday, when people really should have been focused on the climate crisis, the financial crisis in this country, the energy crisis, the wars, like all the actual hardships that people are facing, a lot of uh, this morning viewers on ITV chose to zero in on the gorgeous nation sweetheart that is Alison Hammond, She was speaking about an incident in Manchester where two theater goers, two, of course, white women, white wine. It's a terrible combo. I've always said so, though I love a glass of it myself. They went to see The Bodyguard, the musical. It's currently touring the UK, I believe. And yet The Bodyguard is going to have a lot of recognizable Whitney Houston slash Clive Davis music in it. And people want to sing along, but no one sings as well as Whitney Houston. Even the people on stage would have to be some of the most seasoned performers, some of the most talented songstresses of all time with extremely impressive vocal range to pull off a song like that. You can't sing like that, Sharon, and you certainly can't sing like that once you've necked two bottles of Oyster Bay. So these two women were singing and they were asked to stop singing. And apparently this is something that happens at the bodyguard and at a lot of popular musicals, ABBA based musicals too. Like, I don't think people are going along. Well, maybe they are singing along to Hamilton and everything else. Like some of the harder, more like musical theater industry musicals. I think, I think there's an etiquette there that people going to see Phantom of the Opera know how to behave. But maybe people who are going to see more of a sort of pop-centric musical like The Bodyguard. They don't know the rules of the theater. And people have really lost their etiquette in lockdown, too. We weren't let out for a long time. I even noticed this when I went back to touring after lockdown, that the bars always reported taking in more cash than before, and people were a little bit rowdier. Do I condone heckling? No, I don't mind a bit of it at my show. Do I condone singing along at the top of your lungs when you're drunk to bodyguard the musical? No, of course I don't. No one does. Like, we don't have to have a conversation about whether or not we think that you should go to a musical and sing your ass off over the performers on stage. We know that that type of behavior ruins it for everyone. We know that's like just a given. But these two women got drunk. They sang. They were told to stop. They wouldn't stop. And then there was a, quote, mini riot as they were carried out of the theater by security. And because this was brought up in the news and it was discussed in the media, it was discussed on this morning, it had a lot of eyes on it, a lot of people with opinions. And I looked at the video. I did not watch this morning because it was Good Friday. And I was home, like, appreciating the sacrifice Jesus made for us and spending time with my small children. But if you were watching this morning and you got pissed off, 
then you already know that Allison Hammond was sort of giggling and Vanessa Feltz was on with her and Dermot O'Leary. And they were all sort of giggling at this news story. And Allison said, oh, I'd be devastated if I saw ushers walking up and down the aisles with please be quiet, don't sing along signs. She goes, I'd be devastated. I would want to sing to that, but I'd be devastated. Oh, well, I guess I'm not going to that musical. When I hear that, at no point did she condone, oh yeah, I would go and I would say, fuck this sign, and I would sing anyway. That's not what she said. She said, oh, I love that music. I would like to sing to it. If I saw those signs, I would be devastated. Okay, well then that's not the musical for me. Correct. But the nation got upset. People are like, how dare she disrespect performers by encouraging such poor etiquette in musical theater. She didn't, she didn't. She was having a laugh, like God forbid someone would you like all entertainment morning shows to just read the news and move on like this is your alternative your alternative is oh two women sang along at bodyguard the musical in manchester and that was disruptive so they were carried out what do you think dermot oh no what do you think allison mm, no good moving on you know like that's not you have to understand that these breakfast shows are cast to lift the spirits of the nation, to reflect the UK back at you. And people are going to have discourse about this. People are going to have a laugh because it sounds silly. Of course, we know that it's disrespectful to the performers. Of course, you don't want to do that. But just you got to have a few people in the room who go, oh, no, well, what do you, I like singing at musical. I think you should go and sing along. And then someone else goes, well, no, obviously you don't do that. There are times at the end of a lot of musicals where they encourage you to sing along. And because that conversation is being had on television, we all learn from it. It's like, oh, well, I'm not someone who goes to musicals, but now I know that this was an issue and you don't sing at musicals. Regardless of what the opinions are of the presenters or what the jokes the presenters make, like, I can't even believe I'm discussing this now because it'll get in the press and they'll just take pieces of it and be like, Catherine Ryan calls the nation scum. It's like, what, when? Did I say that out loud? No. Look, someone messaged me. Well, I got a lot of messages because I defended Alison Hammond in a stupid way. She didn't ask me to defend her. I was in my kitchen and I thought, how fucking, I saw a statement is what happened. I saw a, she tweeted a black heart emoji. And you know, it's a serious statement when someone screenshots their notes because what they have to say is more characters than Twitter will allow. So she screenshotted her notes and it was a very sincere apology. Like, my appearance on this morning, you know, I disrespected, da-da-da-da, I'm sorry. And the reason I even read it, I didn't even know what had happened in Manchester at the Bodyguard musical, but I, I was drawn to this statement because of the optic, the sheer layout. I saw a black heart and a note screen grab, and I thought, oh, what's happened with Alison Hammond? I thought she was going to announce something terrible. And she was apologizing for having a laugh about two drunk women in Manchester singing along at Bodyguard. All right. The fact that she had to make a public statement about this just rubbed me the wrong way. So I was like, fuck off. If you have a problem with Alison Hammond, you got a problem with me. And uh, so many people have such vitriol for morning breakfast presenters. It's like, what, what demographic are watching breakfast television that they get so heated up? I got two demographics of people responding to my tweet. I've got the men who have a football emblem as their profile picture, just being like, shut the fuck up, nation sweetheart. Yeah, I can't stand her. I can't stand you. And then they love to say comedian in brackets. And they love to say like, as funny as herpes. And I was like, all right. And then there's a horrible kind of woman online too. This woman who talks about family and God and her children. She'll be like, congratulations, Savannah, on your football. But then she's really abusive as well to like celebrities and brands. It's so weird. And my heart just goes out to any breakfast television presenter because the people who watch you are so serious. They take every minutia of life so seriously. And I, I mean, this is how I learned. There's no room for jokes in the morning. The people of the UK need to have at least had a drink before they're willing to have a laugh. Coffee, joke time, nah, no. And then we, we like fan the flames by putting Pierce Morgan out at breakfast and a lot of like spicy characters. The UK's not ready for this. They're not ready for Alison Hammond joking about a musical. 
I saw a lot of theatrical performers too and accounts from people who are like theater geek and they're like Catherine how would you like it if someone heckled I mean I'm performing in venues as much as anybody probably more than a lot of musical theater performers because I work year round and I know that it's a tough business and I respect musical theater because I mean that was my first love that's how I started I'm not good at it but I enjoy it I've seen a lot of it and I know the etiquette of musical theater, but I would also trust the audience to know when someone's joking and when someone's not. But these people, the, anyone taking themselves that seriously, like, I have had abuse shouted at me and it is not okay. It's like, okay, Chris Rock, we get it. People are sometimes badly behaved, but guess what? If you're a bartender, sometimes people are gonna be badly behaved in your bar. If you work in retail, sometimes people are gonna come in and be really badly behaved. If you are a lawyer, God forbid, or you're a nurse, you work at a pharmacy, you're a doctor, there are signs all through walks of life to be like, please don't abuse the staff here. And the same goes for venue staff, theater workers, artists, actors, musicians, whomever. Like, obviously, it goes without saying that none of us are supposed to be abused at work. Spare me your monologue. Is this your one-woman show? Because I haven't got a ticket. I think, as a lover of musical theater, when you make a show like The Bodyguard, and you know that it's got a lot of popular, chart-topping music that people are going to know and going to want to sing along to, then you need to factor in some type of uh, insurance policy. Like something in the show has to tell people, hi, I know that you don't usually come to musical theater and you might not know the rules, but these are the rules. Like have an announcement at the beginning. A lot of comedy venues have that where they go, hello, welcome to the show. This is how it's gonna work. There's gonna be an interval and don't use your phones and don't record and heckling's not allowed. Like you can just do a bit of housekeeping off the top and remind people of the rules. And yeah, like walk up and down the aisles with signs that say, don't sing if you want to. I think that's what they were laughing at. They weren't laughing that someone interrupted the show. It's just even funny to me to imagine like a teenaged usher, not usher, but like, you know, someone who works in the theater, walking up and down with this sign, like a massive sign that goes, please don't sing along with the songs. We'll get there, you know? People will straighten it all out. Etiquette, musical theater, yes, it's very important. And on a serious note, of course, I support the performers on stage and the venue staff, and I'm very grateful to have performed at so many of these venues myself. And I have had to have security get involved and march people out. There have been fights in my shows. There's been heckling. Uh, there's been drunkenness. There hasn't been singing thus far. But, like, yeah, the headline is, let's all be respectful of each other in all walks of life. Oh, except Alison Hammond on Twitter. Let's not be respectful of her. Let's just... <laughs> abuse this woman to the ends of the earth because she made a joke before my eggs were ready. It's like all humanity disappears on social media and that is why I hope I get kicked off Twitter. I keep getting these emails being like, oh, you're gonna lose your verification status if you don't do ABC. I've been getting these emails for two months and I'm like, do it, do it. Please put me out of my misery. There's a video of these two ladies getting kicked out of the show online, circulating somewhere, if you want to see it. I don't think their faces are in it. I'm sure they're mortified now. And it's a news story that, uh, I mean, it'll be done by tomorrow. Also, you can watch the video of Allison Hammond, Dermot O'Leary, and Vanessa Feltz discussing the event on this morning. And you can see that I don't believe anyone condoned heckling in a theater. Earlier this week, I was driving Violet and one of her girlfriends to another child's house, and I had Fena in the car with me. Usually, I don't take small babies in cars unless it's their nap time, and um, I'm trying to get them to sleep, or it's a really short journey. I can take Fred in the car now because he likes to look out the window at trucks and stuff, but Fena, you know, it's just, it's not her vibe, though she's a pretty easy baby, so she was really good for the car ride until we dropped the girls off. And then I had Fenna in the car with me alone. She can't see me, but she can hear me. And what I do with babies in the car is I sing and I talk to them. And I'm sat alone in the front seat, but I'm just having a conversation with the babies because that's what they like. So there was a lot of traffic because it's half term and I don't know what time. Of, this must have been, I don't know, was it last Thursday? But there was traffic coming up to a red light. And I was in this red light for a long time. You know when you don't get a turn. The light will turn green and it's still not your turn. And it'll be red again and then green and it's still not your turn. It was one of those like prolonged several red lights I was waiting. 
And I was just talking, talking, talking to Fena. And then I noticed beside me, there is a police car with two officers inside. And the officer motions me to put my window down. So I did. I was like, hello, officer. How can I help? And he said, that's six points off your license if you get caught. And I was like, uh, what is? I looked. I'm wearing my seatbelt. I was signaling to turn. I was doing all the right things. I didn't understand what was wrong. I said, sorry, what is? And he goes, it's six points if you use your mobile phone while driving. And I thought, what? Well, I'm not. First of all, I don't use my mobile phone. I don't make calls. When I'm with the babies, I'm very present with the babies. And certainly when I'm driving with the babies, sure, I will admit in the past, you know, every once in a while at a red light, I have glanced at my phone either to change music or to check something, like maybe the doorbell goes. I have done probably naughty things in the past on my phone, but not when I have the babies in the car and I was genuinely not using it. And I was like, uh, if I get caught, so like I'm not caught because I wasn't doing it. So what are you doing? Just like telling me some random rules? Like it's six points off your license if you get caught on your mobile phone. Like, um, okay. And it rains 21 centimeters of rain every July in England. Like I didn't really know if we were just telling facts to each other. Um, and he seemed to be like warning me though. And he's like, you're on, you're on your mobile phone. I said, I don't know what you think you saw. I'm just talking and singing to the baby, which I realized sounded even more nuts because he couldn't see the baby. I have, you know, a big car, the baby's in the back and the car seat. I mean, I guess you can't see any baby in the back of the car, but I was like, sir, I'm not using a phone. I was either singing or dancing or not dancing, singing or talking, <laughs> dancing. It is seven points of your driver's license. If you get out of the car and dance at a red light which we used to do in Canada. We used to do this thing where, and don't do it here, that I'm not advocating that you should do this. We would, well, there was no traffic whatsoever in my small town, but we would drive to the red light. And then when it turned green, if we were the only cars there, we would just let the car like slowly roll and we would all get out and run around the entire car and then jump back in our seats, close the doors and then actually drive. Which is, I mean, if I thought my daughter was playing that game, that's a dangerous game. But at the time it was fun. I used to break a lot of rules, but I don't now. And so it felt very dangerous to have a police officer pull up next to me and be like, just so you know, next time. Oh yeah, that's what he said when he drove away. He goes, well, next time. I was like, next time what? So I got home and I told Bobby, I think I was, I think I was pulled over by the police. Remember the police who like were unable to intercept the burglar that you handed them after he broke into our house? <laughs> Remember the police where I got put on hold when I dialed 999 about the man in a mask with a knife who was upstairs in our house? those guys just cruising around the neighborhood, they sort of pulled me over and said like, don't use your mobile phone. And I was like, agreed. And Bobby said, well, were you? I said, I really don't think that I was. Cause I know your memory can do funny things. And you could be like, maybe I picked it up. I don't think I did. And I said, well, you better not because you'll get in the news for that. <gasps> so there's someone in our neighborhood who was doing like, you know, a traffic incident that they shouldn't have been doing. And not only did they get pulled over and ticketed, but somehow the press get hold of that information and it goes in the newspaper. And then you become like Brittany driving with the baby in the car seat, in the front seat, you know, like it becomes this big scandal. So look, let it be a lesson to all of us, whatever. I don't think I was on my mobile phone, but every day is a good opportunity for a warning to drive even more safely than you were driving the day before, especially with the kids. Anything can happen, especially driving in London. So like maybe that police officer was like an angel. Maybe I imagined him. And no, I wasn't on my mobile phone with Fena, but you know, admittedly I have been careless behind the wheel in my very distant past. I just have to remember to like keep it together because I do drive over curbs a lot. I'm paying full attention, but I do drive over curbs a lot. So there's a really funny TikTok where this woman is she's with her husband in the car, but she forgets he's in the car. So she drives over a curb and she just continues on driving. And then she realizes he's there. She goes, oh, oh, oh my God. I can't, can't, where did that come from? Like she realizes that she's supposed to have a reaction as though it doesn't happen all the time. That's me. Oh, what do you guys think? Okay, this was brought to my attention on social media because people comment on my pictures and my reels and my posts. And sometimes it's a totally different topic. Like it's way off topic to what I posted. And there is someone who was really like fervent about letting me know Channel 4 has a show called Naked Education. I mentioned this to Bobby in front of Violet and Violet said, no, you're mixing it up. There's sex education and there's naked attraction. And I said, no, Violet. I am told, now these things kind of 
always look more inflammatory on the surface when you actually watch them. They're never as bad as they look. Like when I did Ready to Mingle, which was a really wonderful dating show on ITV, you can still watch it on the ITV hub. Um, it was like, oh, 12 guys trying to date a girl, but who has a girlfriend and who's actually single looking for love? She has to decide. If she picks the right guy, she'll fall in love and get some money. If she picks a guy who already has a girlfriend, then she loses the money and he takes it. And all these people from seeing the trailer were like, how fucking dare you? This is so sexist. Um, you're using all these guys. Like, what about their poor girlfriends at home? This poor girl. But actually, when you see the show, the woman who was our hero woman, Sophia, she knew what her job was. She knew that half of these guys had girlfriends. And as an extra surprise, all the girlfriends were in on the thing, in on the game. They wanted to play the game too. So it was fully consented to by everyone. And it was, it was about challenging yourself to see if you can spot a liar, challenging your relationship to see like, oh, do I trust my partner to go on this show? It was, it was a really cool show and it's doing very well in Germany. But Naked Education is a show where, uh, when you read about it, it's adults exposing themselves to children for the purpose of like destigmatizing and demystifying nudity. And in a lot of countries, this would be fine. But here it's like, whoa, whoa, why are adults exposing themselves to children at all? What the fuck is going on? So I mentioned this to Bobby and he's like, yeah, it's people getting their dicks out for six-year-olds. Bobby gets a far more uh, right-wing news feed than I do. And I, I wasn't surprised that this was the version of the show that he had read about. So I looked into it and they're not six. It is adult nudity in front of 14 to 16 year olds. I absolutely don't think, I haven't seen it. See, I should have watched it before talking about it. Let me know if you've seen it. Let me know if you think, you know, you have an opinion on it. If you would let your children go on. From everything that I have read, and it's really naughty not to have watched it, but I just don't have time with these commitments that I already have. Um, it, I guess that it's children who are hired, like they're actors or they're someone, someone said that they think that the children are actors and they're looking at, you know, just very, I think, flaccid adult nudity uh, for the purposes of education and they're learning about it. And apparently it's not that deep. And if this show were shown in other parts of Europe or Scandinavia, it would be fine. It's not like let's bring a six year old to a live sex show. It's absolutely nothing like that. And I had to sit back and think about it. I was like, okay, well still, how do I feel about it? Would I want Violet exposed to like adult nudity? And then I thought about my own experience of sex education with textbooks growing up in school and we had photographs. We didn't have adults in front of us, but we had photographs of adult genitalia. We watched a video of an adult woman giving birth. So you could see like her whole business. You could see her boobs. Um, I'm sure that we saw, because what's the alternative? I don't want to show them naked kids. How are you going to teach sex education I mean, it doesn't have to be for entertainment. It doesn't have to be a TV show necessarily. I don't really have an opinion on this yet. I'm just saying, if you look at it from all angles, and I'm talking about not the dicks, if you look at this situation and this entertainment show from all angles, it's like, well, isn't that just like a, a more sort of salacious for entertainment purposes version of exactly what we were looking at in textbooks in the 90s? Because what are you going to show kids? You want to teach kids about their body. You're not going to show photos of other kids. Certainly not. So what's the alternative? I know that when Violet watched a Channel 4 sex education film when she was probably nine, and she didn't want, she was like, why am I learning about sex education now? And I said, I'll tell you why. It's because learning this now will keep a lot of your friends safe. We don't know what's going on in other people's lives. We don't know who might be coerced into something, not knowing what it is, who might be abused, who might be like taught the wrong things. So unfortunately, because some of the world is a lot more, you know, grown up too soon that we have to start teaching it at nine. And I was like, okay, Violet said, yeah, all right, I'll go to the class. And it was a cartoon. They had done drawings, like very non-binary body positive drawings of... I guess, I guess kind of ambiguously adult cartoons running around, like they're jumping on a bed, tickling each other with a feather, which was odd. 
that's nothing I've ever gotten up to in the bedroom. I don't know. What do you think of the show? Let me stress again, I have not yet, for, I will have to watch it before I form an opinion, but I'm just trying to be open. Email me, telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Have you seen it? Would you allow your 14 to 16 year old to view an adult naked for the purposes of education? And would you let them view that on television? And if you've seen it, do you think these kids are actors or not? And D, does it even matter? Whoa, what a week. I hope you had a happy Easter. Uh, we did an egg hunt in the house. In Fred's plastic eggs were little toy trucks. Fena was not involved. She's only interested in one thing, and that's breast milk. And for Violet, we did an egg hunt, but with different amounts of money and privileges inside the eggs, like 20 minutes of screen time, 20-pound bank transfer, 20 minutes of free time. And I think it was a success in the house. We had a lovely Easter. I hope you did too. Please listen to these words from our sponsors. And when we return, I will look at what you have written me earlier in the week. Maybe you need advice. Maybe you want to tell me a story. Let's see what Joanne has curated from the emails. That email address again is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Let's see what Joanne has for us in the emails. Catherine, the week in review. Several messages trickling in asking for your take on the current Mean Girls story that's hit Hollywood. I'm talking, of course, about the Haley Selena Jenner saga, the backstory, just in silence, Haley's incredible drop in followers, etc. Oh my God. Look, I feel very privileged to have teenaged listeners to this podcast. I will be 40 years old this year, but. That is 40 years too old for the bullshit that is going on with these Nepo babies. So from what I understand, um, someone posted a video, I think Selena first, of like something about Gigi Hadid, but uh, I'm not as pretty. And then something with the eyebrows. And then someone else was like, yeah, but my eyebrows aren't laminated. And then Kendall Jenner posted something, or Kylie, again with eyebrows. But it was so stupid that like it's not clear that these girls were even fighting. They're, it's like these little jabs about eyebrows and of course selena gomez dated justin bieber for a few years before he dated Haley baldwin and then got married to her at a courthouse why do i know this there could be room for more information in my brain and then i would get rebooked on qi but it's not gonna happen um, because of this shit so then uh selena gomez overtook kylie jenner as the most followed person on instagram or the most followed woman i think like lionel messi and instagram have more followers than me. who's lionel messi why do i know that and then people started unfollowing kylie she lost a million followers in a day but then regained them back and people started unfollowing Haley bieber and she's like the 115th most followed per person on instagram that's like not high enough but all these women have since come out and been like this is dumb we don't care and neither should you, and neither should I. And I didn't even know that I had information about this until you asked me, and I'm sad that I know it. But I think all of the young women have just come out and been like, we're 30, like, it doesn't matter, okay. Also from Joanne, it's spring. People are ready to socialize with fewer restrictions and better weather. This might explain the wave of more and more readers begging for skin and aesthetics advice. Let me know if next week's email should be strictly skin, no. I can't give you skin advice because it's too late. There are things you can do, sure. There are little like tweakments, treatments. I go to see Dr. Nina when I can, though I was banned from doing anything for like four years while I was pregnant with all the babies, three years. I couldn't do Botox. I have stopped doing filler because I feel like that is a young woman's game. Um, I can do little things like... Um, an aqua gold facial Nina offers. And then she also did the Lutronic facial on me, which I really loved. And uh, a Hydra facial is my favorite kind of facial. I can get some Botox again, though I would only get baby Botox kind of around my eyebrows. I use different serums. I always clean my face. But like overall, the reason that my skin is the way it is, is because I never went in the sun growing up. I had a pathological fear of sunlight. <laughs> because I didn't want freckles. So I think, you know, because if you look at my sister, Carrie, here, if you want skin advice, just follow Carrie Marie Ryan, my other sister. She has an aesthetics clinic in Toronto. She is more than happy to sit there and like look at skin, identify like different problems and different treatments. The same with Dr. Nina. You can book a consultation with her. There's a Medispa in my neighborhood now called Cheek Medispa, where I've been trying something called High Foo. And that's like this ultrasound that's supposed to increase skin elasticity but I don't know it takes a while to see results so I don't really know yet 
But I mean, just always wear SPF. And even if you already have pigmentation or sun damage or whatever, wearing SPF every day. And I understand that you don't think this means every day. You're like, well, I can still get a tan. No, you have to wear SPF on your face every day and you have to moisturize all the time and make sure your face is clean. And then that will be usually your best skin ever. And if you have extenuating circumstances or like an actual skin issue, then I don't know about that because I don't. I have a massively red nose though. And no one can tell me why. And that is my like Rudolph autoimmune problem. So, okay. Dear Catherine. Oh, here's one about my last podcast, Dad Bods. I loved listening to your take on realistically or not achieving the shredded bod look. And I had some questions. I've noticed in your material, you go on about BK being hotter than you are. I don't believe this to be true. With all this chat about age gaps in the relationship, is there such a thing as a hotness gap? For some specific context, I, female, am probably considered hotter than my male partner according to conventional beauty standards. He's heavy. <laughs> he does not have a shredded physique, but he is active and he eats well. He pleases me in the bedroom. He's not obese, Catherine, so I've never cared. He dresses well. He has impeccable hygiene, among other redeeming qualities. I've always found him attractive. But there's also a seemingly new trend of straight women doing charity work dating someone far less attractive under the guise that they can secure an eager mate who won't hurt them, lose interest, cheat, etc. I don't fall into this category, but where's the line? I mean, I know what you're saying. We have all dated an ugly loser. <clears throat> and I don't mean he's a loser because he's ugly. I mean, he's ugly and a loser. We've all dated that kind of man thinking that he will be grateful. And that is the kind of man who's going to cheat on you. Always. Because... First of all, it's not a good reason to date someone, so you're in the wrong too. But someone like that, it, he, people can sense, you know, everyone has like a spidey sense and go, well, hang on, like she thinks she's doing charity work on me, but hang on, if I could get her, hmm, who else could I get? And I didn't get a lot of attention growing up. Like if you look at Tiger Woods, he, oh, it's Chris Rock who has a wonderful material about dating a man, you need to ask him, have you womanized? If not, I'm not interested. You have to have had a life where you had at least some options as a man. I'm not saying I believe this, but this is the ethos, the um, hypotheses of Chris Rock. The position that he holds is that you have to have womanized a bit or had some options or had the ability to date around if you're a man before you're able to truly grow and be appreciative and settle down with a partner if you're a heterosexual man. I don't know where I stand on this, but I can tell you that ugly losers never treated me any better than like better looking guys. Bobby's definitely like the super hottest guy that I've ever dated. And who knows? Like, look, maybe he's not. And maybe I look at him the way you look at your boyfriend and you're like, well, I don't care. I love him. He pleases me in the bedroom. Like he's my soulmate. I don't care. I actually wouldn't care if Bobby gained weight. I wouldn't care if Bobby like wasn't hot. I just know that he's hot because my job is to reflect back upon people what I hear them say to me in a funny way. So in my show, I talk a lot about Bobby being hot because I think that's funny and people say it to me. So I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, whatever people say, that's my material to turn around and give back to them as jokes. Of course, I think Bobby's hot, but don't get it twisted. I think I am a catch as well. But I look around my industry and a lot of people who are successful in entertainment that I know are men and they have super, super, super hot girlfriends or wives, younger girlfriends or wives, in some cases, not all. So, I mean, I am the odd one out in that, like I have this super sexy man and I, I'm sorry, you don't see that as often. And I think that's because we place different values on different attributes. And often, traditionally, the attributes that we place on men are like, is he tall? Is he rich? Is he like, uh, that, that's it. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I would just warn anyone thinking of doing what you're saying with the charity work. I know you're not doing that and I'm not doing that, but I have done it. The ugly loser always knows who he is and he will cheat on you with another ugly loser every time. Okay. Existing with exes in a small town or down the street. Catherine, I'm hoping you can shed some light on whether or not I'm being a heartless bitch. I was married for 12 years. I have two kids. I was unhappy for many of these years. I tried to tell my husband, but he wouldn't or couldn't hear me. 
Instead of ending things, unfortunately, I had an affair that I'm not proud of. Early last year, I told my husband I wanted a divorce. A month later, he went through all my things. He found evidence of this affair, and he confronted me with it. I admitted to everything. We sold the house, and we've each purchased our own home. When he was viewing properties, he viewed one less than a quarter mile from where my new partner lives. <gasps> is this the man with whom you had an affair? This is the man with whom I had an affair. Oh, no. My ex went ahead and bought this property. I told him before he purchased it how close it was to my new partner's house. Although he wasn't happy about it, he went ahead with the purchase. We moved into our new homes in September last year. Mine is about three miles away. Okay, so you don't live with this man, your new partner. You live separately. You have a home. Your ex-husband has a home. But your ex-husband and your new partner live within a quarter mile of each other. That's your issue. Okay. In November, my partner and I were out for a run. We ran past my ex's house. It is not around the corner. It's literally the main road into town. My ex saw us. He was very unhappy. He sent me loads of messages saying how evil I was, etc. I apologized and have subsequently tried to avoid the road as much as possible. I don't run down it. My new partner currently has a pulled muscle, so when we needed to go to the shops last week, I decided to risk it. I walked the most direct route, i.e. my ex's road. Unfortunately, he saw us again. It's prompted three days of messages, berating my behavior, threatening to get a restraining order, etc. Am I being completely heartless by occasionally walking down this road twice in six months? I'm just trying to go about my life and move on. My ex knew my new partner lived very near there when he bought the house. I'm so upset by this. I don't know how to handle it. I hate that you have to co-parent with this person because... When someone acts crazy and it's just an ex, you can write them off. But when someone acts crazy and it's the father of your children, then, yeah, you do have to approach it as carefully as you can for your kids, I guess. So I think that you have to remember what it was like when your children were toddlers and just treat this man like a toddler because he is having tantrums. It sounds like he feels that he still has ownership over you, which is really toxic. And I understand that he's hurt. He doesn't want to see you because he probably still loves you. He feels cheated on or like men have a whole word for this, like cuckolded. Um, but the reality is you tried to tell him it was over. He didn't listen. You're not happy that you had an affair, but this is what a lot of us do. You want to get out. You can't get out. And some men don't respect your words saying you're not interested in them they only respect that you are another man's property do you know what i mean so they respect this new man more than you and it happens at bars and clubs all the time where a man will be like hey baby and you're like no thanks i'm not interested oh but can i buy you and you're like mm, no i'm just here with my girlfriends and he's like well what about and you have to finally say i have a boyfriend and that's when he'll walk away and that makes me really sad. It's like, well, if you'd listened to the first time, maybe, A, if you'd listened to the first, first, first time, maybe we wouldn't be divorced. But if you'd listened, ultimately, when I told you it was over, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have cheated on you and we could maybe have avoided some of this mess. Like, I don't think cheating's right, but I get where you're coming from. And I have been there myself. So I think that you just need to show no emotion when you interact with this man. You're going to need to peel it back to just having the necessary conversations, pleasantries, civility for your kids. I would put him, I would change his name in the phone to like your kid's dad. Don't put his name because he's no one to you. He's your kid's dad. So I would put like, you know, Adam and Jamie's dad, whatever their name is. And then when he sends you messages like that, just be like, you cannot send me these kinds of messages. You knew that I was not interested in pursuing a relationship with you. I am very sorry that I moved on so quickly, but you also knew that my new partner lived just down the road from the house you were considering buying and chose to live there anyway. Perhaps you didn't take our relationship seriously. You didn't think that you'd be confronted with our love as I ran past your house or go to the shops, but the reality is I don't want to hurt you, but I'm going to continue to live my life in the way that is simplest for me. I'm not gonna take a detour and you know, placate these toddler emotions that you're having. You speak to me only in a respectful way from now on or you don't speak to me at all. And he'll never be able to get a restraining order out on you or anything else because of course, if it came down to that, first of all, it's very difficult. He's not gonna go to court and do all this stuff. But if he is and he wants to be petty, you can clearly show that like, this was my partner. He knew he lived there. I need to get to the shop. They'll have a map. You'd be like, here's the direct route to the shop. So that's not going to be an issue. 
He's making empty threats. He's acting out because his feelings are hurt. So I would have that one chat. There'll be no more messages to me that are berating me or being threatening. Fine. And then if those messages continue, ignore them. You have to ignore those messages. Silence is a universal language. You tried, you know, look, I'm sure you apologized for hurting him when you had the affair. You didn't want it to go that way, but here you are now. And the reality is you need to be able to be free in your small town, to run wherever you want, to go to dinner wherever you want, to walk to the shops down any road that you want. And if you ignore him for a while, if he doesn't get attention from you and get a rise out of you, he'll eventually stop. And then the longer that you're separated for, you won't really notice that he lives down the street. You know, it'll be fine. It's, it does take time, unfortunately, but you cannot write back to any of these messages, entertain any of these tantrums. You have apologized once, and that is more than enough. You have nothing else to explain yourself for. You walk down that road. The more that you let him control you, like he's trying to control what roads you walk down, like fuck off, just walk to the shop, go for a run. Do not tolerate him speaking to you in a disparaging way. Catherine, I'm emailing as an avid listener to telling everybody everything. I would love to hear your opinion on the wedding vows, the ones that went viral on socials because they're diabolical, like really bad. I'll link them so you know what I'm talking about. Since the day we started talking, after falling through my bedroom window, within minutes I could tell you were the one for me. Then as time went on and I was falling deeper in love with you, I was and always will be one of the easiest people to please. Only two things are required to keep me happy, keep my belly full and my balls empty. Well, you're amazing at half of it. We really need to get you some cooking lessons. Even when my belly isn't full, there is no one I could ever love more in this lifetime unless I actually get a chance to meet Margot Robbie. Since the beginning, I was always told, I always told you I was going to make you the happiest woman in the world and give you everything I could possibly give. Well, today I'm taking a step further and giving you my last name, the last name of champions. No one deserves it more. With you and the girls by my side, I feel like I can conquer anything. Y'all make life worth living, giving every breath of every day a purpose. Life gets even better when the kids fall asleep and you tell me to come to the bedroom. <laughs> Nothing's better than the sound of gagging and headboard slamming. Michael. I really like these guys. I feel like you can't see the video, but she's smiling. This woman is laughing and smiling. My favorite bit at the end was the Michael. That's because the wedding officiant is his mother. That's his actual mother. And he was like, keep my balls empty and my belly full. I mean, whatever. There's someone out there for everyone. This video, these wedding vows are a testament to that. The woman is not uncomfortable laughing. His bride, you know, she's laughing, laughing. She loves him. She's looking at him like, oh my God. And bless him because he's trying to make jokes. And they're well-constructed jokes. Like to say... You've got to keep my belly full and my balls empty. You do one of those things really well, but we really got to get you some cooking lessons. Like, that was funny. He could have flipped it. Like, you do one of those things really well, but I'd really like to get laid once in a while. You know, like, I, I like <laughs> I like that he's, he's doing, like, setups and punchlines, and he clearly struggles to read. He didn't memorize the vows. He was, like, you know, sort of stumbling, reading them off a page. And maybe he's not someone who speaks in front of people very often. You know, she thinks he's funny at home, but here he is. Like, he's written. Like, some women are just blown away. Like, our standards are low. Some women are blown away that, that you could take a pen and a sheet of paper and actually write something about us. And when he thinks of this woman, he thinks about how much he fancies her. And he is willing to talk about banging her in front of his mom on her wedding day. The only bits that I didn't connect with, I thought it was awkward when he said, unless I get to meet Margot Robbie, and that's, you know, a lot of people have a celebrity hall pass, but this woman looks nothing like Margot Robbie. Like, if he had said, she sort of looks like, oh, who's that woman from, like, L.A. Inc.? Her name's, like, Jessie James or someone. Like, she, the woman has purple and pink hair, she's kind of dark features, like, big buxom sort of build like she's really beautiful but she looks nothing like Margot Robbie so that's a slam if Bobby stood there and he was like I love you no woman could make me as happy as you you know unless I get to meet Naomi Campbell I'd be like what that's your type I don't look like her shit and also when he said his last he's giving her his last name oh here you go I will give you my last name the last name of champions well champions of what sir 
Certainly not chess. Decorum. I think these two are going to make it. Like, whatever. You love who you love. She's laughing. I'm happy. Okay, Catherine. Kinks that I don't want to be a part of. You've already spoken about kinks and kink shaming. I've been speaking to this guy for a few days now. He's hot. I matched him on a well-known dating app. He's good looking, athletic, and we seem to vibe. But in came a convo. His ex used to enjoy him squeezing her throat until she passed out. I immediately freaked out. I told him I hated the sound of this. I didn't mean to kink shame him. I just don't like it. And he said he didn't like it too, but she liked it. And he doesn't even want to do it to me. He just did it for her. I'm a prude. Am I being a prude? Oh, am I being a prude or is this a red flag? Any guy can strangle us, but this guy knows the technique. Oh God, all my love. Oh, and she's put all my love. Any guy can strangle us, but this guy knows the technique. Isn't it funny how women have to be vigilant of everything? We're like, well, I know they can kill us easily, but this guy could kill us extra easily. Like, Catelyn Moran said it beautifully when she said being a woman in a world where there are men is like existing on a planet of bears and the bears can be cute and cuddly, but they're fucking bears. And we never forget that. We're like, Ooh, Ooh. Um, that's unfortunate. I'm sorry that you're a little bit scared. It sounds like, but it does also sound like, um, it's important to remember that toxic masculinity is not just exhibited by like straight men. It can be internalized by women. Women can be misogynists. There are so many women who hate other women and there are women who are affected by the pornification of media. And I think it's porn that teaches young people that you need to choke each other. Some people, I guess, like it, but a lot of people, they just think like, oh, that's cool. And maybe she saw this from porn and she was like, yeah, it's really cool to get like choked. I don't know. Or maybe she likes the euphoria of passing out. Like I I saw a program about people, people get found in closets because they like wank and also choke themselves because I think it does something with oxygen to your brain that I am not interested in. A lot like you. No, no to this. But it sounds to me, if you're building a relationship based on, you know, like truth, that he did something. It's nice that he did something sexually that his girlfriend wanted to do. I'm sorry that he did something that he was uncomfortable with because he says he doesn't like it. So he shouldn't have done it really. But it doesn't sound to me like he wants to do it to you. And you, I think it's good that you had this chat. He's like, I used to choke my ex. And you're like, well, not me. I wouldn't worry about like now he's got a a thirst for like choking and he's trained to kill. It's pretty simple, I think, to choke someone. Um, I would just say like, Make it very clear under no circumstances will that be happening in our relationship. And then it won't happen. And if it ever even slightly does, if his hands even like creep towards your neck in the bedroom, just be like, ah, uh-uh, I said no. And then it's a red flag. But, you know, I think it's cool that people are having these chats. Oh, no, Catherine, truths in your podcast help me leave my husband. Oh, I hope that was the right thing to do. Catherine, I wanted to write in and say thank you for your podcast. I had a baby the same week as you had Fred. This is when I found out my husband was not going to be a suitable father. He was very absent, blaming work or work stress when actually he was really in the pub. I would call him out and he would say that he needed to go to the pub to de-stress. After 21 unhappy months, it all came to a head recently when I found out he was having an affair, (gasps) using drugs, and even slept with sex workers on my birthday, so I kicked him out. Since then, I realize he's been gaslighting me this whole time and still trying to do it now to get me back. I've been listening to you giving lots of other women advice. I've been hearing you talk about how your family works, and it's helped me actually start to believe that my daughter and I deserve better. The old me would have believed his sob stories and potentially gone back. Now I'm trying to navigate single mom life with no friends or family nearby. He isolated me also with his behavior. I work full time. I co-sleep for my sanity. Otherwise, it's a full night of screaming. Yep. So I have about two hours of being at home in which to cook, clean, play with my daughter before I go to bed with her. I don't work weekends, but I just feel lost doing the same safe things over again, park, swimming, etc. Currently, her dad is having very limited contact with my daughter until I'm sure she's safe to be with him. How can I find myself again during this new season of my life? Or will I just go into mom mode until she gets a bit bigger and waited out? Well, first of all, you don't have to tolerate this behavior. So I'm glad you won't. And it wasn't 
my podcast that helped you leave him, I really think it was your daughter because we often have higher standards for the ones we love most, i.e. our children, than we do for ourselves. So you tolerated this behavior as a single, you know, not a single woman, but a woman who was child-free. You were like, all right, this is fine for me. Okay, I guess I believe him. He's my person. Like, even though it hurts me not to be with him, like, you know, it hurts... Even though it hurts me to be with him, it would hurt me more not to be with him is what I mean. Like, you were probably thinking also that having a baby would change things and he would improve. I think a lot of people make that mistake. And then your daughter came along and I think it's not my podcast, but it's just her. You're like, why should she put up with this? Like, I wouldn't want this for her, so I don't want it for me. And good for you. Um, You cannot go back to this man. But also, I think there's this pressure that you have to have friends and you have to go out. And in reality, your daughter is getting older fast and she's going to be fun soon. And she's going to be someone you can talk to soon. And I think going into mom mode and just keeping yourself like quite a small family unit until she's a little bit older is the right thing. And you will organically make other mom friends at swimming or at the cafe or at the park, like get out of the house, especially now that the weather is nice as much as you can because it sucks to be isolated, but you can do video chats and you can call your friends and family. And even your daughter is gonna get better at being on video chat. But yeah, you are gonna feel really isolated at least for a little while until your daughter's a bit bigger and you can do things. And that's okay. This pressure of like, you gotta get out and be, it's like, you know what? It's okay being best friends with your little girl for a while and don't let any new man ever tell you that you know, you're codependent or you spend too much time with your child. It's like, this is a magical time. One that I am so grateful to have lived. I loved my decade as a single mom. I loved it. It was so much fun. And Violet really was my best friend. And that can't go on forever. She's kind of being a dick today. But for the time that it was ours, I am so happy that I leaned into it and I really cherished it. Because before you know it, she's going to be big you're going to be busy again and you're going to have a new husband and your life's going to be amazing. And your only regret will be that you didn't leave this ex-husband sooner. And you're going to say to yourself, oh, but you know, it's great that he cheated and it's great that I left him because I had that special, special toddler time with my daughter that, you know, a lot of people don't get. So congratulations. Thank you for listening to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything. If you like this podcast, you can tell your friends or you can share it on socials or you can write a review. I never ask for that stuff because I always forget. But you see me out there trying to make clips. I'm doing my best and I want everyone listening. I would love for you to write me a letter. It's tellingeverybodyeverything at gmail.com. I am so appreciative of the letters that you've already written. If you've written me a letter before and I haven't read it on the podcast, you can always send it again. You know, there's a huge backlog and I don't know what Joanne's doing if she reads them all. I certainly wasn't reading all of them when the emails were down to me. I would just have to do a lottery sometimes and skip. So if you still need advice, please write me again. I really appreciate your letters and I'll see you next week.